0: There is a definite electric anointing, and the presence of the Holy Spirit is here. Can you sense him? There's no one who has the right to shout greater than the men and women of God who have been set free. In just a moment, we're all going to stand before I bring this message, and we're going to shout with a great shout. And we do this not to elicit a response, but to set into motion a spiritual principle From the Holy Spirit. For David said, Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. There is a shout in your voice of triumph that when you begin to shout, the angels of the Lord shout with you. There is no doubt that when you are in battle, you feel like, Well, I I won't make it today. Uh, I'm not going to see my family. I'm going to die in this lonely foxhole. And then someone taps you on the shoulder, and they tell you the vile, vicious enemy that you've been fighting is running for cover. And something rises in the heart of the warrior that cannot be duplicated by the superficial or the shallow person. But the reality rises in their heart that says, I'm not going to die. I'm going to live. I am going to see my family. I am going to win this battle. And the raw reality is this room from the balcony to the floor are filled with people that had you not met Jesus Christ, you would be dead already. Oh, you didn't hear me. Had you not met Jesus Christ, you would be dead already. But the power of God and the Holy Spirit came and set you free. And there's no one who has a right to shout greater than the men and the women of God who have been set free and delivered and empowered by the same power that raised Christ from the dead. If you believe that, I want you to clap your hands and praise it. Stand to your feet with me. Stand to your feet. And I want you to get ready to shout with a great shout. I want you to shout so loud that every demon for 50 miles of this place will have their knees buckled. I want you to shout so loud. But I only want you to shout if you believe this is our time, this is our area, that the presence of God is alive and well. I want you to shout so loud that every drug addict, every alcoholic, every person struggling would realize there's hope in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's deliverance in the name of Jesus. Hold on. I want you to get ready. Now, now that was okay. Okay. But I'm going to count to three, and we're all going to shout. And I believe the angels of the Lord will shout with us. The title of the message tonight is Empowered by the Holy Spirit to Declare War. And that's what we're doing tonight. With your shout, we're declaring war. And we're declaring war because we know we are already victorious. We've won the victory. So at the the count of three, I want you to shout with a great shout. I want you to lift your voice. And allow the people around you to know you're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You believe it's the power of God into salvation. Get ready to shout with a great shout. One, two, three. Somebody shout to God. Come on, Bethlehem, shout to God with a voice of triumph. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hallelujah. Well, don't stop. Don't stop. Lift up your voice, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You who have been set free. You who have been delivered. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, we ask that you not just visit us. We want a habitation of the Holy Spirit. It's not enough anymore just to have a visitation of your presence. We need you, Lord, to have a habitation. Dwell here. Stay here. encamp around us. Satan, we declare war in the name of the God of the armies of Israel. Holy Spirit, heal somebody. Holy Spirit, set somebody free. And we will be careful to give you the honor and all the glory in all of God's children's sin. Now clap your hands one more time before you're seated. We love you, Lord. Wow. Wow. sit down if you can you'll be up in a moment anyway thank you for coming to church i believe because you made god a priority in your life and you set aside the time to honor god because you have honored the holy spirit by coming tonight and honoring his house i believe that your work week will be so much better because you chose to honor god if you believe that somebody shout amen Friend, I believe the toughest enemy to fight is the one we don't know about. So tonight, I want to address and deal with the principles of spiritual conflict and battle in the invisible realm and the Holy Spirit's job in our life to empower us to victory. He empowers us to victory. That we would declare war, casting down imaginations and strongholds. What surprises me is that many people, many Christians do not acknowledge that this world actually exists. But the reality of this realm was attested to by Jesus himself. When you study the life of Christ, you realize that it doesn't take very long for you to understand that Jesus' ministry was very much in the realm of dealing with the demonic or the satanic. And he wasn't playing up to the popular superstitions of the ancient world. He wasn't being weird. He was dealing with the reality of the spiritual warfare that you and I are engaged in on a daily basis. And then just prior to him leaving and going to sit at the right hand of the Father, John records in John 14 and 15 that Jesus said, I will not leave you alone, but I will send the helper. And then he adds, not only is he the helper, but he is the spirit of truth that the holy spirit will speak truth. With that as background, let's read together 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting verse 3 through 5. For though we live in the world, we not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we demolish arguments and every pretension or high thing That sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The word Christ simply means the anointed one and his anointing. So a better translation of the Greek would be "And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to the anointed one with the anointing, Jesus Christ. Many people will be Christians for years before they realize that we actually have an enemy. We know him as Satan or the devil. And Satan's whole purpose is to do everything in his power to prevent you from walking in God's plan for your life. And because of that, I want to take time to go through these verses again and break them down. And let me elaborate each one as we read them together. Look at verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. In other words, though we are walking and living in the material realm, and in fact in a human body or this physical realm, we are not worrying according to the things that we could touch or that we could see with our naked eye or, for that matter, even feel. That this conflict that we are engaged in transcends the realm of the human senses. And much of what happens in your world and much of what happens in my world are initiated by dynamics that are beyond mere human dynamics. And you might be saying, well, okay, Randy, what in the world does that mean? Well, have you ever gone through a time in your life or a season and understand that the attacks of the enemy come in seasons? It just seems like you go through a time where the moment you deal with this, here comes that. And then the moment you deal with that, here comes this. And suddenly now, the car breaks down, the washing machine goes out, suddenly everyone is sick, and you get so frustrated that you throw your hands in the air and say, what else can go wrong? Some of you are in that season now, going into 2019, and you're so frustrated that you just love on your dog and you kick your spouse. (laughs) You might do that on purpose, I don't know. You must understand that the things that you're dealing with are initiated by not merely just human dynamics, but beyond that. You do have an enemy that's trying to frustrate you. He's trying to push you to the point of exhaustion, to weariness. There's a difference between being tired and being weary. Tired is the result of hard work. Weariness is a spiritual attack that Satan keeps pushing and pushing and pushing, hoping that you throw your hands in the air and walk away from the whole thing and say, it's not worth it anymore. I'm giving up. I'm walking away. Not going to church. Not reading my Bible. Completely exhausted. There comes a point of that weariness. And that's what he's trying to do, frustrate you. 1 Peter 5 and 8 tells us, be alert and sober of mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And then he gives us the prescription in spiritual conflict. Resist him. Everyone say resist him. resist him. Standing firm in the faith. How do I resist him? Standing firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world are undergoing the same suffering. In other words, what you're dealing with is nothing new. Satan hasn't changed his mode of operation for 2,500 years. And it's happening all over the world, all around the world, and people just like you and me, Christians, literally, are going through the same thing. Look at 2 Corinthians 10.4. Scripture goes on to say, for the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Friends, God gives us the resources to stand in this conflict. And they are not human resources in terms of their limitations. The weapons we fight with are not from this world, but they are mighty through the power of the Holy Spirit. And their dynamic and power comes from Him. And they are used to demolish or pull down strongholds. Let me establish here and explain to you strongholds are real, they are distinct barricades against your future, against your life coming in the fulfillment of God's creative purpose for you. Strongholds are real. They are no less real than the walls of Jericho were real to Israel's attack. But the resources and the weapons that Israel used were not the weapons of normal military stratagem of that day, or for that matter, really, any other day. For the Lord told Joshua, Joshua, I'm going to give you Jericho. Well, that's great, God. How are you going to do it? Well, son, what I want you to do is I want you to walk around it and shout just like we did. Do this for seven days, and on the seventh day, walk around it twice, blow your trumpets, shout praise to God, and the walls will come tumbling down. Now that's a military strategy that defies all human logic. Because Joshua must have thought, really? Bro, that's it? That's the strategy? And then you realize that it illustrates dynamically for us that the people who move in the purposes of the Holy Spirit are people who not only realize victory by God's dynamic when they are obedient and they honor Him, but they are people that God uses to shape all of history. I don't know about you, but I want to be a history shaker. Anybody else want to be used to shape history? I want to be a history maker. And do you realize that you have the power within you to do that? And when you come to the matter of dealing with strongholds in your life, we are dealing with a very real arena where the strategies we use, like Joshua at Jericho, are not human reasonings or man's wisdoms. Now, in military terms, a stronghold is an area where the enemy entrenches himself and takes control. You, you probably have heard this term used when referring to some type of enemy battle. They get a little area, and they become entrenched. The movie Hacksaw Ridge is a great example. It's the true story of PFC Desmond T. Doss. Who won the Congressional Medal of Honor in World War II despite refusing to bear arms because of his Christian belief to not take a life? And if you've never seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge, I strongly recommend it. See, Doss was drafted and he was ostracized by his fellow soldiers for his pacifist stance. But he went on to earn their respect for his bravery, selflessness, and compassion after he risked his life without firing a single shot. And this man was so on fire for God, this man was so filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, that armed against overwhelming stronghold on a little island in Okinawa, Japan, he saved 70 men in battle, excuse me, 75 men in battle, by lowering them over a ridge some 90 to 100 feet all by himself. In the movie... They show PFC Doss praying before they went back up the ridge to go into battle. And the commanding officers are shouting to all the army around him, let's go, let's move. But nobody moved until PFC Doss stops praying. They had such respect for the man. Armed only with the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing when you watch the movie as he's lowering them down, he is saying things like, Lord, just help me get one more out. How many have seen it? Lord, just help me get one more out. Lord, just help me get one more out. What an awesome illustration on how to deal with enemy strongholds. Lord, Holy Spirit, that I would get one more out. And the Bible talks about strongholds in our minds. These are areas of thinking dominated by the enemy, areas where we are being deceived. You say, okay, pastor, how does this happen? Well, he comes against us by bombarding our minds with cleverly devised patterns of nagging thoughts that lead to suspicion and doubt and fear and reasoning and theories, and they all will ultimately end up refuting God's word. Try to make you think that God's word doesn't matter. And when these thoughts get rooted in our minds, in other words, the Satan will create a train of thought that so fits your way of thinking that you suppose it comes to your own line of reasoning and he'll just keep nagging you with these things. Your husband doesn't love you, your children don't care about you, your wife no longer cares for you, you'll never do this, you'll never do that, and the negativity. And the moment that you bite on that negative thought, you now just open the door for weariness, and suddenly that negative thing becomes a stronghold in your life. An area of your mind's thought process that you allow the enemy to camp, they become strongholds. Please understand, if you're a child of God, Satan does not have control over your eternal soul. We are still saved and on our way to heaven, and for that matter, he does not have control over your complete thought process. However, the devil can gain control over certain areas of thoughts, and those areas greatly affect your quality of life. The Holy Spirit brings joy into your life. Those strongholds steal your joy. They steal your peace. For the Holy Spirit is the prince of peace. And the devil gets a certain area of thinking and he steals your peace. One of the primary ways he does this is through deception, trying to bring all kinds of negative thoughts to your mind. And that is why it is so critical for you to learn how to renew your mind with the weapon of God's word. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed or changed. How? By the entire renewal of my mind. It is not an accident that Jesus said, I will leave you the Olos Paracletus, another of the same kind, who is literally the mirror image of me on planet Earth until I come again. And he is the spirit of truth. Satan begins to construct that train of thought, those lies, and the Holy Spirit combats those lies with the truth of God's word. And that's why you've got to feel your mind. That's why you've got to be in the school of teaching here at the church. We are in a spiritual battle, and you must fight with spiritual weapons. And God, through the Holy Spirit, has given us his word as our main line of defense against the lies of the enemy. In almost 30 years of ministry, I have heard the same stories over and over and over and over again from California to here to New York and every state in between. From people who really love God. They love their family. They love their in-laws. Well, maybe not the in-laws, but they love... (laughs) Just seeing if you're awake. But they'll say to me, Randy... For years, I believed so many things that weren't true, and it created a mess in my life. And I'll ask them, well, things like what? And they'll say, for years, I remember having thoughts like, nobody cares about me or loves me. Nothing good ever happens in my life. I've even had people come to me and say that they'll get nagging thoughts that say, why should I even keep trying to lose weight? It'll never happen. And the frustration. You'll never get an education. You'll never do this. You'll never do that. For years, they say, I struggle with thoughts that I'm always going to have a second-class life because I was abused by my father, and now I'm damaged goods. I've heard that from young people all over the country. Those are lies. They're strongholds of the enemy. Friends, the moment you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, and you make him the Lord of your life, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that anyone who belongs to Jesus has become a new person. The old life is gone, and the new life has come. And if I had a dollar for every time I heard, after teaching this, them say, Randy, I didn't know I have a choice to reject wrong thinking. I'd be a multimillionaire. Literally, people say, I-, I had no idea that I had a choice that I could reject wrong thinking. The good news is that the Word of God is the most powerful thing on earth, and as we read and study and learn and live God's Word, then it literally transforms us from the inside out and it helps us to destroy the strongholds of the enemy. Ephesians 6, verses 12 through 18 tells us our enemy who our enemy is and how we need to put on the armor of God so we can stand, a, a, stand our ground and resist him. Listen to verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword that the Spirit wields. Oh, that's so critical. And the sword that the Spirit wields, which is the word of God. Well, that raises the question, okay, how do I get the sword, the spirit wheels operating in my life? The Holy Spirit, when we begin to speak God's word, if you're dealing with fear, a stronghold of fear, the moment you begin to speak God's word, the Holy Spirit comes with a sword and begins to demolish the strongholds of the enemy. If you're dealing with fear, you begin to speak the word, and the Holy Spirit swings that sword. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, in whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked enemies and my foes come upon me to eat my flesh, they will stumble and fall. Thou host shall rise against me, my heart shall not fear. Thou war shall rise against me, in this will I be confident. That one thing that I desire of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple, for in his time of trouble, he shall hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. The moment you begin to speak the word and preach the word and sing the word and meditate on the word, the Holy Spirit pulls the sword of the spirit and he begins to demolish the kingdoms of darkness. That should make you want to shout. If you believe that, clap your hands and give him praise. Somebody shout, speak the word. Oh, speak the word. As you study God's word, it becomes a filter in our mind that reveals the lies of the enemy. Lies the enemy has sown into you and embedded possibly since your childhood. That something happened early in your life that Satan created a train of thought and you started thinking about that maybe when you're seven, eight years old. And now it's embedded in your mind. And you don't know it's there until the Holy Spirit himself begins to empower you by God's written word and you start comparing the way you think with God's word and you go, wait a second. This isn't adding up. I want to encourage you today to make a determined decision. A determined decision to honor God with your mind. The devil will do everything he can to distract you from spending time in God's Word because he knows the moment you start speaking the Word, the Holy Spirit starts swinging that sword. Have you ever woke up in the middle of the night wide awake and wondered, again, no, why am I so, why, am I, why can't I sleep? Listen, don't get up and go watch Jimmy Fallon. I know some of you do that. Don't get up and watch ESPN or turn on Fox. No, no, no. Let let me tell you. Go and get your Bible. And go and sit down somewhere and start reading the word. It is better than NyQuil. (laughs) It's better than Tussin. See, growing up, we didn't get Robitussin. We got Tussin. (laughs) Robitussin was the good stuff. (laughs) I heard you. It's better than Robitussin, because you're wide awake, and the moment you sit down and start reading the Bible, you start reading, the Lord is my light and my salvation. <laughs> Whom shall I do? The Lord is... <laughs> right? Because what happens is Satan begins to have, the sword of the spirit and the Holy Ghost starts to move in your area. And the devil says, let him go to sleep. He's doing more damage awake than he was asleep. Oh, somebody shout amen. Yeah. Empowered by the spirit to tear down strongholds. God wants to release the full measure of his love into your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that we no longer need to operate out of old ways of thinking. See, even though you're saved, you've got to learn a new way of thinking. Oh, you didn't catch it. I said, even though you're saved, you've got to learn a new way of thinking. That's called sanctification. You don't wake up in the morning after you get saved a perfect Christian. How many know that's right? I mean, you might pray for that husband For 25 years, he finally gets saved, and you're all excited. (laughs) Next morning, you call the church and say, he ain't changed yet. (laughs) Well, you know, you don't wake up a perfect person. The Bible says by the renewing of your mind. Dr. Jack Hayford, the former lead pastor of the Church on the Way in Van Nuys, California, he said early in his ministry, he learned that people were struggling with things in their life that they really didn't like about themselves. Without raising your hand, do you have some things in your life that you really don't like about yourself? Or am I the only real one here? Things that aren't necessarily sinful. Sinful. But behaviors or personality traits that put strains on your marriage, on your friendships, on your ability to succeed on the job. Suddenly now, they start looking at themselves saying, I can't change. I, I see these weaknesses, but I just can't seem to get past it. And I really don't want to be this way. And then family members, they know how to tap dance on your last nerve. Right? I was out with my wife one time, and we were having a little, you know, we were out together. And there was a couple behind us having an argument. And I was listening to my wife. I really was. (laughs) She's probably watching right now, hot babe. Now... But I was also listening to a couple behind me. Now, it's an inherent gift given to every Puerto Rican. Because when you're Latin, you grow up listening to five different conversations <laughs> <laughs> all at once. How many say amen to that? Because everybody talks together. And you know every conversation. So I'm listening to my wife, and I'm also listening to this couple and they're arguing, he's a big old guy, you know, big old bruiser, big arms, and she's a tiny little black lady, about 110 pounds, soaking wet, and she's sitting there, and he and they're arguing, finally she clicked her hand, she said, Look, you tap dancing on my last nerve. I said, Ooh. <laughs> Have you ever had someone just tap dance on your last nerve? Are you sitting next to someone? No, 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 just. And family knows how to crank your tractor. Family knows what to say. And and you see those personality traits in your life. You know you got these strongholds. and, And then they say, well, you know, you're just like your mother. I don't want to be like that. Well, you're manipulative just like your father. Wow. And then the devil starts working overtime, you know, in those strongholds. Friend, when I came into a greater understanding of the operation of spiritual strongholds, I began to counsel people to quietly do a thorough study of their family history. Pay very close attention. And I would tell them to interview family members to see what they could learn about their father or their mother or their grandparents and how they related to God in their families. I, told, I would tell them to study their work habits, and I began to find out that people in families would have the same symptoms and they would chalk it up to family personality traits. And they would say, well, that's just how we do it. That's who we are. Things like a need for recognition from performance. Did you see me? You've all met someone like that, where they always gotta be patted on the back, you know. Did you see me? Did you see me? Did you see what I did? That's the stronghold of insecurity. Or an emphasis on building financial security where they become workaholics. And we've all met people that way. Listen, it's wonderful to have a great work ethic, but when it gets to the point that it consumes your life, and suddenly it's the driving force behind everything, and it's isolating you to the point that you don't have a relationship really with your family, it becomes all consuming. That's a stronghold. Well, that's how my dad was. That's how his dad was. That's called a generational stronghold. Or there are families that will develop a lack of emotional intimacy with their family. And they'll say things like, well, we just don't outwardly show love. That's just who we are. And they'll raise children after, after generation after generation who doesn't know what it is to be embraced or hugged or loved. And the result is young ladies who are going out into the world looking. Am I starting teaching truth yet? Or there's a work-based relationship towards God in some families where it's as if they, as if they have to accomplish so much for God because... The more he owes them in their life, they've got to show more. And so they say, you know, I just got to keep going, 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 going. How about a family that the tendency is to over control people and circumstances? Have you ever had a family member that's controlling? (laughs) Are you married? And they're so overwhelming and controlling and overbearing, and they say, well, you know, that's just how Latin fathers are. No, it's a stronghold of manipulation, of insecurity. And you look in the mirror and you say, I don't want to be this way. It was an amazing discovery for me for the first time I realized strongholds had the ability to affect three, four, five generations and families. However, by the power of the Holy Spirit through God's written word, we're being given the opportunity to break the generational stronghold. This thought process, through the power of the Holy Spirit, so that it's not passed down to our daughters who are continually looking for a father's love, so they go out and they find any guide to go, hey, and they think, well, if I'm physical, I need that. How tragic. Don't miss this, friends. Generational strongholds are not curses. Somewhere, somebody started teaching generational curses. And Christians would email me and they'll say, Pastor, am I under a generational curse? I'd say, are you saved? Well, are you born again? Yes. Are you under the blood? Yes. Listen, the very moment you get saved, The very moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, every curse of hell is broken over your life. You're no longer under a curse from sin that cheapens the cross at Calvary. No, every victory was won. Jesus himself said it. It is finished. The victory has been won. So the curse is broken. Satan knows he can't drag you to hell if you're a child of God. Satan knows if you're a child of God living under the power of the word of God, walking in the spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you, he cannot take you to hell. So he will lie to you and heap as much hell on your life in this life as he possibly can in hopes that you will give up and give in and say, well, I guess I just thought that that's just the way I am. That's a lie from the pits of hell. By the renewing of your mind, you need to have a a regeneration of who you are in Christ. And if you're not careful, you will pass these lies down by your behavior to your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. Again, this this is how it works. And and not to be repetitive, but it bears repeating. Satan-inspired thoughts are introduced into a person's mind. The individual entertains these thoughts which bring out emotions. Listen, emotions are good servants but poor masters. And so many people are led by their emotions and not by the word of God. For the Holy Spirit wants to bring you the truth through God's word. That's why you've got to know the word. When we give in to these emotions and allow them to master us, eventually it leads a person to take some sort of action. Continual participation in the action causes the individual to develop a habit. As the habit develops, a stronghold is built. Imagine being born with a pair of sunglasses on and you grow up looking through the whole world through these sunglasses. You would never know that you could see better without them. And then suddenly somebody takes those glasses off. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to take those glasses off of you to where you see clearly, and you say, oh, now I see. Now I see. Strongholds operate this way. They masquerade as if they're a part of your personality. I mean, I want you to be honest with yourself. How many times have you said, well, you know what? Our family, we just do it this way. This is the way we've always been. It's just a part of who we are. Has anybody ever said that? Come on, be honest. Yeah. But guess what? The moment you get saved, you get a new family. You take on the personality of a heavenly father. And you learn the way the heavenly father thinks. The Bible says in verse 5, we demolish arguments, or the Holy Spirit demolishes arguments. Some translations say we cast down imagination and every pretension or high thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. How do I take captive every thought? The Holy Spirit, he is the spirit of truth. Listen now, have you ever stopped to think about what you think about? I know you're going Whoa. Dude, that's deep. No, understand, have you ever stopped to think about what you think about? In other words, have you ever been going through your day and all of a sudden this thought comes? It's a, maybe a depressing thought or you'll never advance, you'll never go anywhere. And you just think, well, you know, I guess that's just the way I am. Have you ever stopped to think, Holy Spirit, where did that come from? Have you ever stopped and said, Holy Spirit, does this line up with your word? Was that thought based on God's word? You don't have to think about just anything that comes into your mind. You can choose your thoughts and do your own thinking on purpose. If your mood begins to sink and you begin to have a bad attitude, take an inventory of your current thoughts and say, Holy Spirit, right now, you are the spirit of truth. I don't believe these thoughts are inspired of you. For the Bible says that the Holy Spirit didn't bring a spirit of fear, but of love, joy, peace, and a sound mind. Maybe you're going through panic and you're having a panic attack. Holy Spirit, I I don't believe this is from you. And so I want to honor you, like we talked about this morning. I want to honor you, Holy Spirit, and I'm going to ask you, Holy Spirit, by the inspiration of who you are, to begin to renew my mind. Now that's the key. You must base it on God's written word. And don't you know the enemy will try to get you early in the morning? How I many know words, He'll try. You, you can still be laying in bed. Some mornings I wake up and before I get out of bed. I begin having all these negative thoughts about people and situations. Do you know that every morning, there are some people, while they brush their teeth, they sharpen their tongue, thinking about what they're going to say about you? (laughs) You might want to write that one down. Ooh, that was a good one. (laughs) And no, I'm laying there, I have to talk to myself and say, Randy, you're not going there. There are times I'll literally just be laying in bed, And I'll lay my hands on my head and say, Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of truth. You can empower me, Holy Spirit, right now. Then I begin to think on right things, whatever is good, whatever is right, whatever is just. Think on these things. Think on these things. And suddenly I begin to quote scripture. The next time you notice yourself thinking the same old negative things towards your family, choose to replace those thoughts with truth from God's Word. I made a decision about a year ago to every night before I go to bed to pray 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 over my family. It's called a love chapter. And I'll start with my wife, and then I go to my firstborn Christian, and then I go to Morgan, and then Quentin and then my daughter Ashton, and then I get up and I go to bed. It goes something like this. My wife's name is Carlene. I'll say, Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of truth. I need to wield the sword of the spirit now, so over Carlene, Lord, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in every evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes. Love never fails. Lord, my son Christian, love is patient. Love is kind. For instance, if the enemy tries to convince you that you're insignificant, that your life has no meaning or purpose, I would strongly suggest you begin to quote Psalms 139. You search me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my laying down. You are familiar with all my ways. You see the Holy Spirit starts wielding that sword. God's word is the answer to combating the lies of the enemy. And in fact, You cannot have a positive, exciting life and a negative mind. And that's how you know if you have a negative mind that you're under attack and Satan is trying to create a stronghold there. So understand, if you struggle with negative thinking, it's important for you to come to grips with the fact that your life won't change until your thinking does. Those strongholds of insecurity. And I've learned that if we never meditate on God's word, we'll never experience the depth of his love for us. The love of God is meant to be so powerful in our life, the Holy Spirit to energize us to victory. Corey Ten Boon, one of the most godly, soul-rich individuals in Christian history. The Ten Boon family were Dutch Christian members of the Dutch Reformed Church who were helping Jews escape the horror of the Nazi Holocaust during World War II. If you've never read this book, The Hiding Place, I strongly suggest it. It's an amazing book. The story goes that their home was raided by the Nazis after an informant tipped off the Nazi SS of their activities of the family and how they were helping the Jews get out of Germany. And the whole family was sent to a concentration camp at Raven's book, Concentration Camp. And she was miraculously released from prison just days after her sister had died in that concentration camp. God brought incredible beauty and healing through her difficult experiences. And her words still have great relevance and impact in our world today. In the book, she's complaining about the lice in the concentration camp. And she goes on to say that the barracks are so filled with lice that every crevice in her body was eaten up with lice. And her sister looked at her and said, "Corey, let's take the time right now to thank God for the lice. And Corey Ten Boon said, How in the world can I thank God for the lice or oh, the spirit of truth? And she said, "Corey, if it wasn't for the life, those Germ- lice, those German soldiers would be in here raping us and beating us every day. So God has sent the lice to keep us safe. Have you ever stopped to think about what you think about? Empowered by the Holy Spirit. In the midst of the constant death and pain and misery, Corey Timboon was asked, How do you make it all those years? Listen to what she said. I came to the conclusion, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. Oh, you can clap your hands for that. I want our musicians to come quickly. And Let me try and wrap this up for you. Because I've got to get you into this altar. There are some of you that you need to come to grips that Satan is literally trying to put strongholds in your life to destroy God's purpose and plan for you. The attacks of Satan are real, but he is so very predictable, he has no new tricks. He's a liar, and he attacks your mind to establish a stronghold that makes you ignorant of God's will. No, the Holy Spirit says, I I don't have to think that way. The Holy Spirit's job is to bring truth into your life. And there are some of you that you need to begin to practice this right here. Every morning, Holy Spirit, renew my mind. Holy Spirit, guard my heart, guard my mind. Satan is a destroyer. As a destroyer, he targets your body. And he accomplishes this through suffering. He attacks your body because it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. He does this to create a stronghold of impatience with God's will in your life. That's why he struck Job. I was telling Tony, Pastor Tony, in the car. He picked me from the airport yesterday. And I said, you know, I I was studying Job. and, And it says that Job, the Lord said to the devil, have you ever thought about my servant Job? And in prayer the other day, I said, Holy Spirit if you ever get to a point where you're proud of me, you don't have to tell no one. How many say amen to that. Satan is a ruler. He wants to control your will as he did with King Saul and his principal weapon in controlling your will is to establish a stronghold of pride. This is the sin we all must be aware of. By the way, even the Apostle Paul dealt with pride. That's why God gave him a thorn in his flesh. Well, that's for another time. When you say, you know, I don't need anyone. I'm my own boss. I don't need the Holy Spirit. You're full of pride satan's purpose is creating a stronghold of pride to make you independent of god's will for your life he's after your soul our weapon against the lies of hell in the attacks of our mind is not our feelings not our emotions it's the inspired word of god all your spiritual authority and power come from god's word and the holy spirit begins to wield that sword Ephesians 1 and 3, God blessed us. Ephesians 1 and 4, God has chosen us. Ephesians 1 and 5, God has predestined us. Ephesians 1 and 6, God has accepted us. Ephesians 1 and 7, God has redeemed us. In Ephesians 1 and 7 again, God has forgiven us. In Ephesians 1 and 8, He has abounded towards us with great wisdom. Ephesians 1 and 9, He has made known to us the mystery of His will. Ephesians 1 and 13, he has sealed us. Ephesians 1 and 18, he has enlightened our understanding. Ephesians 2 and 6, he has raised up to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. The strongholds that Satan is trying to bring are completely destroyed when you honor the power of the Holy Spirit. And you say, Holy Spirit, empower me. Change me. Move in my life. I want you to stand all over the room. By an upraised hand, how many will say, Randy, there are things you talked about tonight that I deal with on a daily basis. Come on, let me see your hand right now. now. I want you to look around. You're not alone. That's about 90 to 100% of every one of us. I want you to take the other hand now and lift it up as well. And I want you to begin to worship right now some of you might want to lay your hand on your head and say Holy Spirit I need you to renew my mind I need the infilling of the Holy Spirit right now some of you are plagued by thoughts that are wicked thoughts of affairs and lies that you're never going to make it your weapon against pride is the indwelling of the Spirit of God. We are empowered tonight by the Holy Spirit. So right now, with your hands lifted, your hand on your head, the other one stretched towards God, I want you to audibly begin to cry out to the Holy Spirit. I want you to begin to tell the Holy Spirit, I need you holy spirit i need you i need the infilling of the holy spirit i need the fresh baptism of the holy spirit with the evidence of speaking in the heavenly language i need the gifts of the holy ghost working in my life right now i want you to declare war and tell the devil no i'm not giving in i'm not giving up I'm not going to give you a stronghold. In fact, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God right now, His job is to begin to eradicate every stronghold in my life. Things that I've been dealing with since childhood. I come against a spirit of fear, a spirit of worry, a spirit of doubt right now in the name of Jesus. I want you for the next 30 seconds to begin to pray out loud and come against a spirit of fear. Come against a spirit of doubt right now. We come against that spirit of fear and doubt, manipulation from the balcony to the floor. And you would say this, Father, I am the child of God, as Pastor Steve said. I am the son of God. I am the daughter of heaven. I am royalty. I am a holy priesthood. I am a called generation. I am not the way I was before. I've been redeemed. I've been set free. I'm under the blood of Jesus of Nazareth. My God has set me free. Devil, you can't have my family. You can't have my children. You can't have my home. In the name of Jesus, you can't have my marriage. Oh, come on. Somebody right now do warfare declare war well you didn't hear me I want you to lift your voice and begin to cry out to God in the name of Jesus God's word became the eternal word The eternal word became the incarnate word. The incarnate word became the spoken word. The spoken word became the written word. The written word became the preached word. The preached word became the sacramental word. That word is like a devouring flame in Jeremiah 5 and 14. Somebody lift up your voice. By the renewing of my mind, let the Holy Spirit have his way right now. Let the Holy Spirit have his way right now. Satan, get your hands off the children of the living God. Strongholds to be broken right now in Jesus' name. I want you to begin to tear down every stronghold and bring it to the obedience of Christ. Every doubt, every fear, every worry. Right now, if you have the gift of praying in a heavenly language, it is perfectly appropriate for you right now to speak in your heavenly language in intercession. I want you to lift up your voice right now in intercession. For the Bible says, he who speaks in an unknown tongue, it is he who speaks to God. Somebody go to war right now in Jesus' name. Father, for my friend Ron that's watching right now, he's got a back condition. He can't even move. Father, I pray healing to move on Ron right now in the name of Jesus. For Eunice Newby, Lord, I pray for healing in her body. That she has had that stroke, Lord. The devil trying to keep her down. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray, Father. For my friend Ann, Lord, who just lost her husband, Jack, last weekend. And she's dealing with fear and doubt and worry. I come against every stronghold of the enemy. This is how you pray right now. Stand up under the authority of God's word. I know who I am in Christ Jesus. I know who I am in Christ.